Hello and welcome to Disseminate the Computer Science Research Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Wardby. A reminder, if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us through buying me a coffee. It really helps us keep making this show. Today, I'm, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Tarikul Islam Papon, who will be telling us everything we need to know about his recent paper, Acing the Buffer Pool Management Paradigm for Modern Storage Devices. Papon is a PhD student at Boston University. So i give you a very short introduction there, Papon, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you became interested in data management research. Hi, Jack. Uh, thanks for the introduction, and I'm really happy to be here. Um, so I'm, a, as you have already said, I'm a PhD candidate at Boston University. I started in 2019 uh, here. Before my PhD, I worked, uh, I worked as a lecturer in Bangladesh where I completed my bachelor's and master's. Uh, there I served as a lecturer for four years. And during my master's, I got involved with like a couple of projects that uh, involved like uh, handling like large amount of data. Uh, so through that, one of them was actually to find like the most influential nodes in, in a social network. So there we had to crawl billions of nodes and uh, uh, eventually we had to handle a large amount of data. So from there, I kind of grew that fascination for toward data management and eventually <laughs> decided to do, a, like, uh, do my doctorate over here. Fantastic stuff. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about secondary storage devices and buffer yes. pool managers. So maybe we can take one of those at a time and, yeah, start off by telling us about hard disk drives and solid state drives and what they are and how they differ. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for the last couple of years, I've been working on this domain of how to actually build better data systems for modern uh, data, modern storage devices. So by modern storage devices, I mean solid state drives. Uh, so if we take a look at like the landscape of the storage devices, it has changed like quite dramatically over the last three, four decades. Like from tape, we moved to hard disk. Hard disk has been like the dominating device. And like the last couple of decades, SSDs or solid state drives, they have taken the place of uh, hard disk or they're slowly taking the place of uh, hard disk. So uh, like if we want to like, talk about the fundamental differences or the fundamental properties of these two types of devices. Hard disks are mechanical devices. There are a few rotating platters. There is a head that moves. And because of these mechanical components, there is kind of like a restriction how fast you can actually access data from uh, hard disks. And also random access are slower because of this movement. Sequential access can be faster. And in contrast to like all of these, the SSDs are purely electrical device, so they store data in chips and big, and they kind of adopt a very hierarchical structure which allows them to perform concurrent IOs, like you can uh, do multiple reads and writes parallelly, uh, which hard disks do not allow you to do that. And yeah, so since because of the adoption of this electrical device and also the hierarchical uh, architecture, SSDs have uh, fast random access and also quite fast sequential access as well. And one like key bottleneck or key uh, challenge of SSDs is uh, they are you can only write a, a limited amount of times in an SSD. So every time you are writing, you are slowly destroying the cells a little bit. So it kind of puts a maximum limit of how many writes you can perform on the disk. And uh, writes are slightly slower than uh, writes. Are, writes can be up to one order of magnitude, or maybe up to ten times slower than reads. It it varies across devices, and writes are slightly uh, slower than 
uh, reads. So essentially, these are the basic differences between these two types of devices. Awesome, yeah. Just out of interest, there you said that every time you write to a, uh, an SSD, you, you destroy you destroy it a little bit, and that's kind of a permanent permanent thing. How how many? How long? How like, I've got a really write intensive. Maybe we can talk about this later on, but a really write intensive sort of workload. How long will my SSD last? Um, so yeah, this is a very good question, and and the answer is actually it uh, depends like what kind of SSDs that you are using, obviously. Uh, but for a normal consumer, uh, for a regular consumer, I I guess uh, it will last around five to ten years uh, with heavy write write extensive uh, environment. And uh, yes, yeah, so as you can see, like most people will not actually realize this issue. So this is an issue, and obviously when you are uh, when you want to develop something for SSDs, you need to keep this in mind. Uh, but at the same time, like most people will not never really actually realize this issue because the right like the number of writes you can do it is not too small, so it's quite big actually. Yeah, like most most users won't rub up against that sort of extreme. That's his that's a good point. Um, cool. So that's that's one half of the story today. So then the second half is these buffer pool managers. And can you maybe tell us a little bit more about kind of what a buffer pool manager is and what role it plays in a database? So essentially, like most of the problem of like of the data management community comes from the fact that uh, secondary storage devices are slower than main memory. So that is kind of like the fundamental bottleneck that where we are uh, where we're at. So when when you have a database, if the database is stored in your storage device, and you need to access the database, so uh, what uh, most database systems does is that it kind of keeps a small memory in the small set of pages. It keeps track of small set of pages in the main memory, so that works like a buffer. Uh, so what is the purpose of this buffer? It keeps track of, of let's say, most frequently accessed uh, pages or the pages that are being most uh, frequently being accessed. It keeps track of them so that you do not have to go to the storage devices to access them. That is essentially the purpose of the buffer pool for a database, uh, for a DBMS or a database management system. Now, there, the most, like, uh, most research actually focus on developing the scheduling policy uh, for this buffer pool, like which pages to keep in the buffer pool, that that has been like a very active area of research, and many algorithms like LRU least recently used is frequently used, and a lot, a lot, a lot of algorithm clock, and so on and so on have emerged, and there has been like new policies for specifically flash devices, uh, which try to minimize the number of writes because SSDs suffer from that uh, write endurance problem. Uh, we kind of wanted to tackle this problem from a different perspective we did not want to modify the page replacement policy rather uh, we wanted to see if we can actually use the uh, devices internal properties to get the most benefit out of the devices so by utilizing the device more you can use this with any page replacement policy and we wanted to see that how we can uh, make the buffer pool faster and if the buffer pool is fast the whole database uh, performance is actually affected through that Amazing. That kind of, I guess, preempts my next question. As I say, can you can you give us the uh, the elevator pitch for Ace? But I guess that's it. It's like rather than changing the algorithm we use to kind of move pages in and out of the buffer pool, it's more how can we exploit and kind of co-design the the this system with the hardware to kind of to, to make more better use of the actual properties of the underlying hardware, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. You kind of summarized it very well. So, kind of. Just linking that back to kind of, you mentioned a few sort of 
algorithms have been designed for like uh, flash and other things what are i mean there's, there's two sort of challenges and shortcomings you identify in your paper of, of these existing football managers can you maybe elaborate on what these are a little bit more yeah so most of these approaches what they try to do is that first of all they always read and like they exchange one page for one they can exchange one write for one read so for example when you want to evict a page from the buffer pool and if that page is actually a dirty page uh, so you have to clean it by dirty i mean that there has been updates applied on that page and uh, when you are flushing it uh, you you need to apply those changes permanently in your storage devices so you have to write it and it is very possible that probably the request that caused this eviction is a read request. So you are ex essentially exchanging one read for one write. And none of these approaches or none of the, uh, as far as we know, none of these approaches actually take into account the device concurrency. So can you can actually, they always re evict one page from the buffer pool and read one page. Uh, can we write multiple pages from the buffer pool? That was the started, uh, that was the question that we initially started, that can we write multiple pages concurrently so that we can clean in most of the pages and then the then the like the next request will be uh, mostly for uh, clean pages and there will be spaces in the buffer pool since you have uh, uh, already written back uh, multiple pages so that's kind of what uh, started uh, started the whole idea kind of with these challenges in mind then and when you were kind of trying to answer this question and starting to work in this sort of space you kind of, I'm guessing somewhere on there, you kind of, okay, we want to refactor the buffer pool design space. I guess this maybe happened at the start when you're trying to get a grasp of what's out there and how we could do this. So can you maybe tell us about this refactored design space you came up with, what it looks like, and then how did it go about influencing how you designed it? Uh, so just to summarize that like the major two challenges of uh, state-of-the-art systems are essentially they do not consider the asymmetry of the device so writes are slower than read you need to consider this and also the main uh, power of modern storage devices that is uh, concurrency that you can actually perform concurrent ios these systems do not take into account that so we kind of ask the question and uh, and one other one other key thing like this is kind of associated with these two challenges is that uh, when you are writing when the writing and eviction are two different steps but essentially all these approaches they kind of take two like these two decisions based on one decision and that is the page replacement policy like which page needs to be evicted if the page is dirty then you write it back so there is no separation between between like the eviction and also the write back so we wanted to ask that it can by decoupling these two de uh, these two de design decisions and uh, that is the which pages to be written back and which pages to be evicted uh, can we do something and also can we evict multiple pages so we kind of uh, drew a new buffer pool design space and we listed these questions that can we write more pages uh, concurrently can we write can we evict multiple pages from the buffer pool if so can we prefetch multiple pages so that uh, the performance can be impacted so overall in the design space there are like four major component that is the eviction policy and it includes uh, the page replacement algorithm and along with the design decision that uh, how many pages to be evicted from the buffer pool and uh, also and then there is the component of writer and the writer component decides how many pages to be uh, written back concurrently and we always we always decide to write multiple pages since devices can support concurrent IOT. 
uh, and the other component is the is the reader and the reader essentially is a prefetcher and we have tested with two prefetcher but any prefetcher can be integrated and honestly in our experiments we didn't uh, we did not find prefetching to be that effective uh, because it heavily depends on the workload characteristics uh, but yeah you can i mean if if you know that the workload has a predictive pattern then uh, it it helps we have also seen that so yeah, with all these, the, the that that is kind of like the refactor design space where we split up the eviction from the right back. Awesome, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Cool. So I guess guess kind of with that, then tell us how Ace works. So the the primary idea of Ace is pretty simple. That is, uh, every time you need to. Uh, write back a page, you write multiple pages. And how many pages do you write? You write based on the device's concurrency. So now I will talk a little bit about the what the device concurrency means. So we experimented with uh, several SSDs and we found that every device has like a sweet concurrency point. And this actually varies from read requests from write requests. So for write requests, most, dev most SSDs have a concurrency value of around eight to 25 it it depends based on the based on the devices so let's say the right concurrency is 8 that means that uh, you can actually issue 8 ios at the cost of uh, one io uh, almost at the cost of one io it should not be like uh, it it is not exactly one io but uh, uh, the increase in the latency is is not that significant and uh, the main thing is that when you are issuing these eight IOs, you get to uh, utilize the full bandwidth of the device. That is where the main uh, benefit comes from. So a device that uh, uh, can support, let's say, 30 megabytes per second uh, for um, uh, for one IO, it can give you up until uh, 240 Mbps or something like this. It, it might not be exactly linear, but uh, it can give you almost 8x or uh, 6x uh, throughput. Uh, so by using that concurrency value, that sweet spot, uh, that uh, write concurrency value, Ace decides how many pages to write back. Uh, and if the prefetching is enabled, then also uh, then Ace also evicts uh, evicts multiple pages from the buffer pool, and this way it clears up uh, the space, and that that space is filled up by the prefetcher. And uh, the choices are different for. Uh, the right the pages to be written back and the pages to be evicted in that sense that the pages that are being written back that are that those are always dirty pages and uh, the pages that are being evicted that is driven by the page replacement policy so it will just evict the, the last uh, eight pages from the buffer pool or x pages from the buffer pool. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on they said that there's a, a sweet spot in um, the concurrency. So my question is how you determine that is is it sort of based on like the hardware characteristics so, like so it's a sense of like i know i've got this spec of of uh, ssd basically and i can say okay every, like, this pretty much it's around eight whereas this brand is around like i don't know 20 or is it more could you get a lot of variability kind of within brands Excellent yeah what's the variability question. like so, yeah. yeah yeah this is a very good question uh, so to know the to know the exact like very exact value of these right concurrency, uh, what you should do do is perform a benchmarking. There you try to do a stress test performance uh, using like varying the number of IOs of the device and uh, uh, computing or calculating the calculating the bandwidth or the throughput that you are achieving. That is like the best way to do it. But uh, if you, let's say you don't have the, uh, you don't know like which tool to use or for this, uh, for, for this specific example, you only have the specs of the SSDs, you can 
blind almost blindly use the number of channels of the device like the number of channels the ssd has this can be very close to the uh, the suite con the suite write concurrency of the device or the optimal write concurrency of the device but not necessarily the exact value but it will give you a very uh, close estimate of the value yeah you'd be in the right ballpark right so you, if, it, if, yeah. if, the, if the if the true value is 10 you're picking 11 rather than picking 20 right i guess yeah. um Cool. So, I mean, obviously, you mentioned earlier on going about that, um, but this like SSD sort of like degrade over time. Does that mean that the 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 sweet spot is also changing over time as well? Uh, that is actually a very good question, and I will test it out. That that's that's what I will say. So the thing is, uh, to test it out, you really need to run it for a very long amount of time. So I have been working on or on these devices for like one and a half years, and I haven't really, even very recently, I actually performed an experiment and I did not see any degradation of these devices. So uh, the device's write endurance might, so I mean, this is all, only my hypothesis. Uh, so the yeah. device's write endurance might, might not actually affect the bandwidth or the read write concurrency so you can write probably let's say uh, a 1 billion times in an in an ssd cell uh, but every time you are writing you will get uh, almost like very close to that bandwidth that you uh, would have achieved from the devices so i don't think it directly affects it but yeah it it, it is a possibility and to do that we need to actually uh, check test the value for a longer period of time to actually see what is happening so um, before we go any further, actually, I just wanted to kind of um, ask, what does ACE stand for? It's an acronym, right? So I kind of, yeah, what, what's, the, yeah. What's, what's the meaning yeah. behind it? The acronym stands for Asymmetric Concurrency Aware uh, Buffer Pool. So uh, it kind of takes into account the two uh, key proper, like two key properties of SSDs, that is read-write asymmetry, writes are slower than reads, and the concurrency, that is just can perform concurrent. So from that, it came to become ACE. Nice. It's a catchy acronym. It's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. thanks, I'm glad that you like it. So we're talking about implementation there. So I, I know for the experiments in, in, in your paper, you, you implemented ACE in Postgres. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know kind of more about that experience and how difficult it was dealing with kind of, I'm guessing, quite a large and old uh, code base. And yeah, tell us a little bit more about the implementation effort. Uh, yeah, the implementation effort... Uh, was heavy but uh, the thing is we did not really change most stuffs of the of the dbms like in postgres most of our changes were uh, focused in the storage region and very specifically in the buffer pool uh, and we needed to implement some low level uh, low level primer that could actually use uh, the concurrent ios of, of the devices so we needed to write some libraries for to get them um, and yeah, the the bit the, like the benefit of ACE is that uh, so to test this we had to implement uh, uh, several page replacement policies in Postgres and the the implementation of the page replacement policies like we tested with four uh, LRU CF LRU CF LRU stands for clean first LRU and there is also another value the uh, vari variant of LRU that is LRU WSR and also the clock sweep, which is the default um, the default page replacement policy of Postgres. So we implemented all these uh, all these page replacement policies, but these were totally independent of like the actual implementation of ACE. So the like that is essentially the beauty of ACE that you don't really need to change the 
replacement policy, but it is kind of like a wrapper that sits on top of the uh, of these policies and and decides like uh, we how many pages to write and writes them concurrently and uh, evicts them if if required. How easy would it be to take the existing implementation and port it to a different database system? So mostly it will require some software engineering effort, not uh, not more than that. So it, it, it will not, I mean, what I'm trying to say is that it will not take too much effort from the perspective because the idea you can actually port it uh, very easily that uh, you need to write, uh, the, 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 the change is minimal, that you need to write multiple pages at the same time and uh, you decide the eviction based on the page system policy. And this very simple idea can give you good good performance benefit because you are uh, utilizing the device more you are getting more utilization from the device uh, that is so yeah so i guess let's let's talk some results then so can you maybe tell us about your experimental setup and and the experiments you and how you went about evaluating ace uh, so we evaluated ace we implemented it in our server and uh, our server has uh, as a very like it is a it is a very powerful machine with uh, 384 gigs of main memory and everything we implement uh, we implemented ACE in Postgres and evaluated with the uh, standard TPCC benchmark and also we created some synthetic traces and uh, just to stress test ACE for different scenarios. Uh, so just to summarize the results, when the workload contains more writes, ACE performs uh, like like more. Uh, because the main benefit of ACE comes from like concurrent writing or efficient writing. So when the workload has more writes, the benefit of uh, ACE is more. Uh, it can be as high as up to like in our in our experiments, we found that it can be uh, up to two x. You can gain in some cases when there is like uh, like the. Uh, for write-only workloads, for as you reduce the number of writes in the workload, the performance, uh, like the uh, performance benefit, reduces. But it's you you can still gain benefit. Like uh, we tested with ninety percent reads and ten percent write, which is a very read-intensive workload, and we found out that it can still be like twenty percent, uh, up to fifteen percent to twenty percent uh, faster. And also for read-heavy workload, if the workload has a predictive pattern, the performance benefit increases slightly. And uh, we also uh, we also experimented with the TPCC benchmark. And uh, in the TPCC benchmark, the TPCC benchmark consists of uh, five uh, transactions, and each transaction has a different properties. So we saw that the write-heavy transaction had the most benefit of uh, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was 1.5x, and uh, the uh, mixed transactions had a benefit of 1.3x and something, and the read-only transactions did not have any benefit. So the main takeaway from these experiments, what I would say is that even if the workload has a very small amount of uh, small amount of write, ACE can gain benefit from you. But if there is no write, it is fine. It will because then ACE is just converts to a very classic buffer pool manager. So no performance penalty at all. But if the workload has even a very small portion of write, you will gain some uh, benefit by adopting this idea. And very interestingly, we observed that we performed the experiment across multiple devices. And we saw that the device that has the highest uh, asymmetry that is the device where the wire write is the slowest uh, compared to reads 
uh, in those devices has the highest performance benefit. And the, the reason behind this is essentially, uh, since those in those devices, writes are more expensive if you can perform efficient writing or if you can uh, perform concurrent writing, then you get to amortize the uh, expensive write cost, and that gives you the uh, like more speed up in those devices. So, a few questions from me fall out of that there. So, in the in the asymmetry there between the read and the write forms, is it higher end SSDs that have a like? Is, I mean, is there any correlation between the sort of the cost of the SSD and the asymmetry, or is it kind of the cheaper ones have? Are all over the place and you've got a big disparity between read and write performance whereas it's more sort of even for higher end or is there no sort of cost there i'm kind of maybe touch on the cost implications maybe a little bit uh yeah good question so there is no direct comparison or no direct correlation between the cost and the read rate asymmetry as far as i know the the thing is uh, some ssds they are read intensive and the read intensive ssds tend to have a higher uh, read rate asymmetry and it it can be it can be a very fast like the reads can be very fast and the device can be expensive and everything but um, the write asymmetry read rate asymmetry can be uh, let's say ten or something like this uh, whereas there can be devices uh, like there can be very low end devices which has uh, nominal read rate asymmetry like two or three or something like this uh, so it does not really directly depend on the uh, on the the cost rather the specifics like the internals of the device and uh, yeah what you want to get from the device when designing it this is great it sounds like a like a like almost like a free lunch right so there's this does the wrapper layer and introduce no sort of overhead at all like it's totally like it's totally neg negligible non-negligible is the because i guess there must be some sort of computation happening there to kind of determine what should happen next so, but that's very minimal is it uh yeah so when you are uh, using concurrent IOs and when you can actually write multiple IO, multiple IOs and uh, at the cost of a single IO, uh, you get you can get the benefit. And it is not really a single IO, as I have already mentioned. There is a penalty, but the penalty is not like the exact number of the number 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 of the IOs. So uh, you can gain by adopting this very simple idea. You can actually gain some performance benefit. And uh, there is a catch. The catch is the the catch is again uh, again almost negligible uh, since we uh, ace writes a bit more aggressively since you are writing more like every time you need to write you write back one page you are writing uh, the number of writing let's say eight pages uh, since you are writing a bit more in our experiments we observe that this value remains between 0.1%, like the increase remains between 0.1%. You might think that, okay, it, 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 it should have been much, much more, more because S is writing more pages, but more pages at one go. But that's not the case because since when you have written back multiple pages, the pages has been cleaned. So the next evictions will be actually free of cost. So the next evictions, you will just evict clean pages. So uh, evicting a clean page from the buffer pool is, is is not an operation. You just drop it from the buffer pool. You just uh, forget about it. So Ace writes uh, beforehand, like it writes preemptively, but in the uh, in the long run, it almost gets gets amortized over time, and um, the increase in write remains between zero point one percent, which is almost negligible. So if you as kind of said, there's, there's no sort of scenarios at the moment, obviously there where it's very dependent on the workload, but where kind of ACE's performance is kind of suboptimal or like, I guess, are there any other limitations of ACE at the moment? 
uh, as far as I, um, I mean, as far as we know, that uh, the 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 right endurance and the slight increase in right amplification that is essentially uh, the penalty of ACE. Other other than that, even the workload, if workload if contain uh, contains a little bit of right, uh, then ACE will have performance benefit. The concept of ACE will have performance benefit, and um, the like. The idea is very simple. Uh, but you can actually get decent benefits. So that is uh, the, like that is why that is kind of like the beauty of this uh, of our of this idea, and we kind of feel that this way. And uh, like during our submission process, we have actually uh, seen that uh, sometimes I mean um, may, some people can actually understand that, that yeah okay this is a very simple idea and uh, how is it novel and this is kind of like an engin engineering effort. So uh, you kind of uh, we get this, but eventually, as we kind of evolved and refactored the buffer pool design space, and uh, after adding the prefeature, uh, then we kind of got uh, the satisfaction of what we wanted to actually build. So yeah, with the, you, even with this simple idea, you can get a good benefit. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's beauty and simplicity, right? Like something doesn't have to be super complicated to to to, to kind of the comp the worth of something and the, the 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 quality of an idea is not linked to its complexity, right? So the fact that it's 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 simple, it works really well, and it is ace, like it lives up to its name and gives you pretty much good performance in like almost every scenario, is like is is fantastic, um, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So I guess on that kind of where do you go next then? So is it kind of, can we exploit different types of hardware? Or yeah, what's the next steps with, with Ace? So like now what we are working on is that we are trying to import this idea of asymmetry and concurrency in different aspects of data management. So very recently we have uh, worked on developing a, a graph database or like a graph uh, uh, manager that can utilize the concurrent IO and can implement some algorithms. So that is one aspect. We also want to work a little bit on, as you know, as you probably know that our lab uh, works a lot on LSM trees and log structure merge trees. So we want to import this uh, idea of asymmetry and concurrency uh, into LSM compactions and see how they can benefit. Uh, so yeah, the, like the buffer pool was just one example of this idea of asymmetric concurrency aware storage uh, like system design, and you can get you can adopt this idea into multiple uh, different different applications and uh, see the benefit. Nice little plug there for for Suvadeep's episode on on SL, LSM tree, so yeah, the listener can go and check that out mm -hmm. as well. Um, cool, but yeah, no, so on that also, I mean, I can imagine some hypothetical scenario where. Um, I don't know. I'm running my I'm running my database in the cloud, and all of a sudden I want to change the the underlying hardware that it's running on, and I want to move from I don't know SSDs to some other sort of cool new storage device that my cloud provider is have is is um, is offering me. Do you think it'd be possible to kind of have that wrapper like almost be intelligent enough to say, okay, well I, the hardware's changed now, so I need to change what I'm doing to give better recommendations, essentially of like of what I can write out or or what I should prefetch, for example, or is that not a particularly promising research direction? Oh, that is a very good point. And yeah, I mean, we haven't done that yet, but this is actually a very cool idea. And uh, uh, this uh, this can be actually very easily doable. 
uh, when you are running because you know the underlying hardware at least a, even if you don't have enough time to do a thorough benchmarking and get the exact concurrency values of the devices uh, by knowing little bit of the devices and most of these ssds they have this smart technology uh, which kind of holds all the information of the devices like the number of channels number of writes that has been performed number of erases and so on and so on it, it keeps track of a lot of statistics and everything so yeah by getting that it can be i mean you can get that ballpark value and you can probably you can actually seamlessly uh, switch between between devices if required in such a cloud environment but yeah it is a it's actually a cool idea and it can be a very good extension uh, when using nice. this concept. Awesome, cool. So, Papa, what, what can what impact do you think this this work can have? Then, like, as I know, as a software developer, data engineer, or one of these types of jobs, how do you think uh, they could leverage um, your findings in their sort of day to day day to day working life? Yeah, like the key takeaway, like when you are using or when you are developing uh, systems for SSDs. Try to keep the differences. Try to keep in mind the differences between uh, hard disks and SSDs, like the read write asymmetry and access concurrency. Uh, by if you keep in mind that, yeah, we have this property, so uh, how can we exploit these properties, or how can we get the most out of these devices? Can we do uh, concurrent I/O, and what can, how many IOs can we perform? If you go beyond your limit, that will hurt you. Uh, that, that will hurt your performance. So. Uh, these are essentially the questions that you need that you sort of kind of keep in mind and then uh, design systems that are better tailored for these kind of situations. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Sort of be aware that of the of the hardware you're running on, right? And sort of like how can you exploit those those characteristics to kind of to 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 make whatever it is you're building more performant, right? That's really cool. And um, across, I mean, how long have you been working on on this ACE project? And kind of following on from that, sorry, the what's the most interesting sort of lesson you've sort of learned whilst whilst on that journey? Uh, yeah, that is a good question. So uh, I started working on Ace in like late 2020s, and uh, we kind of uh, finished it uh, last year. So it was like one and a half year, or maybe some something around. Yeah, I think one and a half year of project, but. Uh, during that time, we got to actually, this is not like the only contribution of our work. We previously also published a, a daemon paper and a CIDAR paper based on these uh, characteristics of modern storage devices. So we got to learn about uh, SSD concurrency, how they are different and read rate asymmetry, how to measure them. We developed a tool to actually uh, do this benchmarking. And then we kind of analytically to did a, did a study that how the systems that can actually batch writes and can if they can perform those batch writes concurrently how will be the performance improvement we model this um, and so on and and during the development of uh, of ace we got to learn these cool things about uh, ssds like uh, for example smart is one of them you uh, you get to know these very cool stats of the devices. Like uh, one of one of our reviewers asked uh, asked the impact of SSD endurance, and we kind of had to uh, perform an experiment that shows the number of writes of the devices, and it does not uh, increase. So 
uh, I got to learn that uh, all these devices have these uh, statistics in the flash controller and uh, you can access them and uh, you get to know about this. So uh, there is like narrowing down to one lesson will be very difficult, but I think uh, these uh, small learnings about about different devices and uh, uh, the different uh, buffer pool managers, the state of the art systems, you get to learn about them, what, what research has been done. And um, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, narrowing down to one lesson will be difficult. Um, that's okay. You can you can have many lessons. That's the the more lessons, the better, right? I mean, that's that's uh, that's good. Um, were there yeah. any sort of dead ends like along the way? Like any things you tried that sort of failed, or you're like, oh damn, we need to change this now? Or yeah, I guess was it, or was it just one big sort of upward trajectory throughout the? Throughout oh the, no, uh, no, no. No, definitely not. So uh, as I said that we kind of started it in 2020 and we almost had a working buffer pool. Uh, that, that was a prototype, so it was not implemented in Postgres. So we had it running in uh, 2021. We uh, we went on. And, but the key idea more or less remained the same, but uh, uh, there has been a lot of optimizations, like the refactored uh, design space that was not a, a previously there. So previously the main idea was just to write multiple pages whenever possible and see what happens with that. And like separating the eviction from the right back, that was not the, uh, that was not initially there. And uh, yeah, we got some very good reviews from the, from the reviewers. They uh, asked us to, uh, suggested us to uh, implement it in a real system and also uh, how we can actually, if, if we can actually use prefetcher and so on. So we got some very good ideas and feedbacks from the reviewers and uh, uh, we, started implementing those ideas and then we moved on to uh, implementing it in the Postgres. So yeah, uh, it has actually changed a little bit over time, but not too much. Uh, but in the buffer pool that was like uh, two years ago and the, the buffer pool that we have now, uh, the performance is drastically different because like by the refactoring and also adding, adding some optimizations in the code, this actually impacted uh, a lot uh, over time. I guess I, I is this your main um sort of project you've been working on? I I guess my question here is what other things are you working on at the moment? Can you tell the listener about your other research? Uh, yeah. So I work a little bit on LSM. So I we have uh, with Shubhadeep we worked on Lithi. Uh so the Lithi is and delete our LSM engine. So uh, I contributed in one of the uh, one of the one of the implementational aspects of Lithi. Uh, so I do a little bit of LSM stuff, and uh, one of my one of my other big projects is actually uh, we call it relational memory. So the idea of relational memory is a software hardware co-design space uh, where you use the use the uh, concept of hardware specialization, and you specialized hard you use specialized hardware like FPGA. So the, our uh, our key idea is that we have. We have a uh, we have a row store and how we can actually access uh, its different uh, uh, columns uh, without accessing unnecessary data uh, from uh, like in the in the cache line. So can we actually do it? And uh, we have built a prototype. We call it relational memory, and uh, uh, it can actually using a custom uh, FPGA based uh, hardware we build the first prototype and in a, on a PSPL platform we experimented that and uh, we are seeing that yeah you can actually perform uh, 
like uh, faster than the DRAM. It can be uh, faster than the DRAM uh, in some cases. And uh, for some analytical queries, it can be as fast as DDDRAM. Uh, so yeah, uh, it can pro provide com uh, comparative uh, comparative performance. So that is actually a very cool, very cool work that we have been working on. Now we are trying to extend this uh, idea of relational memory to the memory controller. And um, also uh, we have been thinking about making this uh, a concept more general, not uh, like not keeping it uh, specific to database systems. Rather, uh, we are working now on a data reorganization unit that can uh, benefit any sort of data systems like tensors or uh, matrix operations or image processing and, uh, and that sort of stuff. So you can uh, essentially you can accelerate any any operation that involves a set of data or in, involves transforming data. Uh, from one shape to another shape. Working on some really cool things there. So, I, I mean, I really like this question, my favorite question. And it's like, I kind of, can you tell me more about your creative process? How do you go about sort of generating ideas and then selecting, yeah, this is something that I'm going to spend the next two to three years maybe working on? Like, how do you go about doing that? So, I can tell you how we started this project. And so the, the the main idea of this pro this project was actually this is Manos's brainchild, and Manos had this idea of uh, developing uh, asymmetry and concurrency aware buffer pool. So he shared the he shared several ideas with me, and uh, one of one of them was this uh, concept of developing better data systems for um, considering the asymmetry and, and uh, concurrency of devices. And I I kind of liked the idea. Uh, because I, I don't, I honestly, I don't really know, but for some reason it uh, intrigued me. And uh, I, I, that probably one of the reasons I have uh, always kind of had a soft corner for hardware, like during my bachelor's, I developed, I worked, I worked a lot on hardware and stuff. So when I, I got to know that, yeah, there were some projects related to uh, storage devices and also like the relational memory that is also FPGA based and hardware based. So uh, that probably intrigued me. I don't really know. Uh, and uh, now, if I want to talk about like the idea generation process or like uh, the whole process of uh, developing a system, uh, like what I always want to do is that uh, like to get the solution of a problem, you need to understand the problem well and you also need to understand the problem from different perspectives like you can solve a problem from many different different ways like in in, in multiple angles it can be done so uh, if you have the good idea of these different angles then try to think like which angle can you you can actually get a get a, get a solution from there so like if you know all the perspective and then uh, you get to have some sort of intuition in one of these perspectives that, yeah, maybe if we tweak this, then something can happen. Do some pen and paper work, see if, if it is actually viable. And then the next step is essentially testing your idea and uh, build a prototype. So, I uh, mean, the first prototype that should work well for, let's say, one to 1,000 nodes. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, after you have a working prototype that kind of uh, supports your hypothesis and then you can start working on uh, on optimizing it and maybe adding uh, more features or more probably uh, better designs and so on and so on so these two steps actually have like it, it, it is not like it, it it does not happen in one iteration there will be some back and forth between the between developing the prototype as you work more and more towards your idea you 
develop better understanding of the of the whole system and a whole process and you get more ideas and i guess that's it that's a fa- that's a fantastic answer to that question like i say it's really it's really intriguing to see how everyone works because there's so much like the disparity in answers across that to that question is fantastic <laughs> just to see how everyone's got their own little way of doing things it's great um but no that's really cool yeah so just just a couple more questions now uh pop on so the first one is is what do you think is the biggest challenge in databases, data management research today? Oh, wow, <laughs> that uh, this is a very like big question, and uh, yeah, very big question. Uh, again, <laughs> I, again, I don't think I can pinpoint to one one problem, but uh, maybe like handling the like the different. Uh, types of data and the data are now being generated from many sources like from different sources and different varieties of data with this exponential growth uh, of data that is being generated from different sources uh, like handling this large amount of data is a, is, a, is a challenge so there has been a lot of work that is being going on uh, with uh, like indexing learned indexes is, is, is a cool thing and like developing good key value store that supports good kind of good concurrency control transaction management so all these are actually important and also uh, like with the new privacy regulations coming in place so uh, privacy is a big thing and uh, the like with the machine learning many people are using uh, many uh, machine learning concepts to accelerate many like small components of data management system which is also a very cool uh, way of doing things like uh, uh, all especially like auto tuning or uh, robust workload uh, or robust uh, system design based on workload uh, uh, uncertainty and so on and so on so uh, yeah i mean it, pinpointing it to one thing will be different i guess i have already uh, listed uh, 10 challenges or so on and so on so a lot of stuff are happening but i think handling this large amount of data from variety of sources while ensuring the privacy I think yeah, that can that can summarize the whole thing. Yeah, that sounds great. Plenty of uh, plenty of interesting research left out there for us all to do, right? So yeah, cool. Um, okay, last the time for the the last word now. So, uh, what's the one takeaway you want the listener to to get from this this podcast today? Know your SSD, know your storage device, know the know know the characteristics of the device, and uh, while you are designing the systems make sure that you keep into keep into account uh, those properties and tune your system to that to get the most out of your device fantastic let's uh, let's end it there then so thanks so much for for coming on the show it's been a fantastic conversation i've really enjoyed it if the listener is interested in knowing more about Papon's work we'll put a link to everything in the show notes so you can go and find that and again if you enjoy the show please consider Um, supporting us through buy me a coffee and we'll see you next time for some more awesome computer science research